Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about some of the more basic features of operant conditioning, just kind of like giving an overview of it. I think in the future, we want to discuss some more complicated or complex stuff. So it's kind of good to just start with the basics and get that out. I feel like we should have done this like episode one, but it's okay. I know. I feel like we did cover this at one point, but like just a very long time ago, but I don't even know. Maybe we didn't. Yeah, it's getting hard to keep track. (laughs) I guess. I mean, we should start with positive reinforcement since that's what we do, but I feel like talking about punishment might be better because I feel like, in my experience at least, people don't understand what punishment in a scientific term really means. Like, I've talked to people at work and they don't think that corrections are punishment. They think it's like communication, I guess. They're being corrected for behavior, but it's not the same as like punishment. I think they think of punishment as like just hitting horses and not so much like, I don't know, negative punishment or even just light aversives. They just think it's only really aggressive punishment. Yeah, that makes sense. And I agree. I think that's a very common misconception. And I think it's largely because like you mentioned with words like corrections, there's a lot of euphemisms out there that people use to kind of cover up what the actual process that's happening is like punishment. So like they, you know, that doesn't, doesn't sound so good. Although obviously, like when we're talking operant conditioning, like there are ethical, you know, things involved, but also like any particular quadrant could be like more or less ethical. I mean, punishment typically is pretty intrusive and pretty harmful, I guess, to the to the animal's mental state. So like, I'm not saying punishment's great, but I feel like people also like, when they hear punishment, they're also like, oh my gosh, that sounds so terrible. So we have to cover it up with these other words that don't sound so bad, like corrections or communication. And it's like, yeah, I mean, those words are kind of true, but they're just a cover up of the word punishment, like you were saying. So I think that's kind of yeah, definitely something that happens a lot. Yeah, for sure. I guess there's two forms of punishment if we're looking at operant conditioning in the quadrants. So positive punishment would be what you see the most. You're adding an aversive to decrease behavior. So that would be hitting, which is an extreme example, but that's what people think of first. Or it could be flapping your hand at a horse. Or I mean, there's all kinds of things we do traditionally, especially with horses that would fall into that category that we might not even realize. Yeah, that's very true. <clears throat> I think traditional training is very focused on punishment, and there can even be some uh, overlap or some gray area between negative reinforcement and positive punishment. But we won't go into that yet, since that's probably something we can cover another time when we're not doing um, the basics. But yeah, definitely important to distinguish between the the two types. And then something that people who don't know about operant conditioning will kind of misinterpret is the words positive and negative. So I feel like we should clarify that positive just means adding something and negative just means removing. So It's not really supposed to be a moral, like, oh, this one's good, this one's bad. (laughs) It's just sort of, yeah, addition or removal of something. So, yeah, that's just something to clarify so that, you know, if you're like, oh, negative punishment. I mean, we can say negative punishment is probably not the most ethical 
way of changing behavior, but still the negative there doesn't, that's not saying that it's unethical. It's just saying removal. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And this is so messy already, but it's okay. With punishment, I guess, since we're clarifying what positive and negative means, punishment just means it decreases the likeliness of the behavior happening again. So that, again, doesn't necessarily mean abusive or ethical. It just means the behavior is going to happen less if you use it. Yeah, exactly. So I guess just to like spell it out, um, <laughs> positive punishment is when you are adding something that is aversive so that it will decrease that behavior. So again, the, the positive is the adding and the punishment is the decreasing behavior. And then with negative punishment, we're removing or withholding something that the animal wants in order to then decrease that behavior again with punishment. So just to kind of spell out very clearly, I guess, since we've covered it um, in little chunks, but yeah, so that's what, that's what the two types of punishment in operant conditioning are. And honestly, we didn't even really say what operant conditioning was. So <laughs> this is obviously just our like disorganized order, but I guess like with operant conditioning, we're thinking about like, kind of like instrumental type of conditioning, which is where the animal learns that how they're behaving will kind of control their the responses, sort of like a stimulus response type of link there. So they learn that they can get rewards or punishments for behavior. So there's an association between the behavior and the consequence that's happening after. So that's sort of the idea there versus like classical conditioning, where it's really just the association with something, basically the classic example of like, oh, Pavlov conditioned the dogs when the bell rings, then you are going to salivate because you've associated the bell with the food. So that would just be classical conditioning. Um, the animal isn't doing any action. They're not behaving to get reinforcement or avoid punishment. They're just having an association between those two things. Again, whereas operant is where the animal is kind of changing their behavior based on the consequence that they're going to get from the behavior. So yeah, I guess just to clarify that. And then they're also like, there may even be some overlap between classical and operant, which is kind of a, I think, a, I mean, not that that's never been discussed before, but I think it is a sort of a newer thing that's coming into the common knowledge of behavior with, you know, like people like Dr. Jose Rosales Ruiz talking about, um, he had a lecture on that recently that was really interesting. So I think stuff like that, yeah, just to clarify what some of the big terms mean. Yeah, with classical conditioning too, like you said, there probably is some overlap. So that's why with horses that are trained with a lot of punishment, they might be more standoffish or running away from their owners. And then horses that are trained with more kind negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement might be more likely to come up to their owners and approach them. So, I mean, there is definitely some overlap there. Yeah, definitely. It reminds me of the idea of like sneaky training that Alexandra Kerland and Peggy Hogan and all sorts of other people talk about where like, even though say like when I'm working with Charlie and I'm just taking him out of the pasture and we're just like eating treats and, and like, I don't know, just being reinforced for being fairly calm and standing there, even though like, yeah, I'm like not really, or I, the behaviors I'm actually teaching are kind of just like, oh, just like stand here. It's doing something with the, the conditioning of like, okay, now he's going to associate being out of the pasture and in these situations with a more good outcome. Like he's going to be getting treats and not having a scary time. So, I mean, we're always forming associations with us and with the 
equipment that we're using and with the environment and all of those things. So yeah, definitely overlap. But again, like, I don't know if that's getting into some of the more complex stuff, because typically in the the scientific realms, they do seem to have a pretty clear cut between them. I'm doing my master's in clinical mental health counseling, as people probably know, or maybe know. And we have been learning about, um, like in my previous course that I just finished, we've been learning about different types of counseling and therapy. So we have learned about like behaviorism and ABA and stuff like that. So um, we did learn about these principles as well in the class. Obviously, I already knew about them from from animal training. But yeah, like they they were pretty clear, like, okay, this is this is classical conditioning. This is operant conditioning. They're two different things. So I feel like it's getting a little more complex to talk about the like overlap there, but it's definitely there. So it is something people should be aware of. Yeah, for sure. I guess we should talk about reinforcement too, <laughs> since we kind of jumped into classical conditioning. Yeah. So like, I guess we we covered punishment. So with reinforcement, um, I guess we talked about with punishment, how punishment means that you're going to decrease the likelihood of behavior. So with reinforcement, we're going to increase the likelihood of behavior. And there's, again, also the positive and negative quadrants of reinforcement. So um, yeah, obviously we're positive reinforcement trainers primarily. So we really like to try to do as much positive reinforcement as possible and stay within that quadrant as much as we can, just because at least from my perspective, it tends to be less intrusive and less basically aversive to the horse. So positive reinforcement, again, the positive is adding. So we're adding basically a desirable reward or stimulus of some sort, and that's going to increase the behavior. I don't think I really have much to add if we're trying to keep it simple. <laughs> so I guess I'll just go into negative reinforcement. And negative reinforcement is what traditional trainers primarily try to use. I think it does go into punishment quite often, positive punishment. But negative reinforcement is the removal of an aversive to increase behavior. So it's similar to positive reinforcement because it's increasing behavior, but you're taking away something unpleasant to reinforce it. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to think of specific examples for me because from my perspective, I have a hard time figuring out where the line is between negative reinforcement and positive punishment because you do have to add a little bit of an aversive to reinforce the behavior. So it's kind of tricky. Yeah, that is very true. Like negative reinforcement tends to involve us having to add the aversive stimulus to remove it to function as negative reinforcement. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to think of one in, in horse training where we're not already kind of adding that that stimulus. I mean, I guess the common examples that people will use is like, you know, if you're wanting the horse to go faster and you're applying the pressure with your legs to indicate that and then when the horse speeds up you remove that pressure I mean that's again you're applying that pressure to begin with but I guess since the purpose of that is to um, increase the behavior of speeding up rather than to decrease the behavior of being slow <laughs> I don't know I mean this is again where it's like kind of getting a little bit fuzzy but yeah I mean I think just based on that but then also it's more about how the learner is interpreting it or experiencing it rather than what the intention is so that's something as well but yeah we don't want to get too complex with it um <laughs> but yeah I think that that's um, a good description of negative reinforcement and 
I mean, most, most traditional training and writing and things like that are done with negative reinforcement. And I think part of the problem is that people don't even realize that they're using negative reinforcement. Like when I was growing up riding, um, and I think it's the case for a lot of people, maybe almost everybody, they weren't really taught in depth or even on a surface level what negative reinforcement was or what really those principles of learning are so that they could understand like how they're reinforcing behavior and stuff like that. Like I genuinely thought I'm pulling on the reins to get to basically like pull the horse's head. I wasn't thinking of it like, oh, I'm applying pressure and then going to remove that pressure to increase behavior. So it would have been better. I think I could have ridden and trained and been with horses in a more ethical way and at an earlier time if I even just understood what I was doing with the horses. So I really think that even for people who are not interested in positive reinforcement, just having the knowledge of like learning theory anyways can really help them improve welfare and and even effectiveness with how they're training. Because obviously, if you're not using uh, learning theory principles properly, then your training's probably not going to be super effective either. And then that's going to lead to horses that will shut down and go into a state of learned helplessness because they don't understand like how their behavior is affecting the consequence. So they're not able to really like, they basically just feel helpless. So I think that's really what we want to avoid. So whatever type of training you're using, you want to know what you're doing and how that's kind of functioning. And then I think, you know, again, I think we're, we could be verging on stuff that we don't want to cover here, but, um, like we talked about in the mixing episode, I think that's where mixing can get a little bit dangerous if you don't know what what you're doing that is actually reinforcing or punishing the behavior. So you're not sure exactly how the learning is taking place or what's going on. Obviously, we can't always understand every single factor that's reinforcing or punishing the learner. But if you're actually applying multiple um, quadrants at once and you don't really know what's going on that's going to be really tough or even just within a, a shorter range of time if you're doing multiple quadrants that can be hard but again also like we're not training within one quadrant really there's always going to be some you know verging into other quadrants so yeah i hope you enjoyed this episode of click treat repeat feel free to check us out on instagram at click treat repeat pod You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training!